This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. It's Alex. He's live at Curtain Sleep. I'm going to talk about love. I just can't help it. Um, is it all we need? It's one of the most overused, overspoken about topics. So I thought, naturally, what we need is a white man to talk about it. Because that hasn't done before, has it? So tune in for opinions that are not original. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. All right. So I got a bit grumpy today. Um, I got grumpy about displays and I just don't like them. Now, so my school um, has gone on a bit of a, a kick, a display kick. Now, we are the proud custodians of the newest block um, in our school. It's lovely. It's called W Block because our school is good at naming things. Our school really likes the alphabet. Now, it also implies that we've got like 20 odd other blocks. We haven't. Um, it goes A, B, C, D, E, F, W. No G block, no H block, I block, etc. None of that. We've gone straight to W block. So I'm looking forward to X block, which sounds like sort of like an isolation booth for radioactive students. So anyway... We've got this beautiful block, but like all buildings um, built in the early stages of the 20th century, it is devoid of soul. It, it seems to be an, like an, an architect, architectural prerequisite, a little bit like sort of a microcosm of everything that's in Milton Keynes. Um, it's sorry to Milton Keynesians. Um, your, your town, it's not a city. I know you think it is. It's not. It's it's, it's town. It's it's not a city um wikipedia check it don't shoot the messenger but anyway it's like milton Keynes. it's perfectly fine like my dad lives in milton Keynes. um he loves it and it seems, seems lovely the people there seem alive and but the thing with milton Keynes is it doesn't have any sort of history to it really apart from i don't know unless you go to bletchley and then that's where you get some things that are old but you know, if you go to Milton Keynes Centre, as as fun as it is to wander around and go into the big lush, like my partner insists that we do every time before realising that the Disney store isn't there anymore, you know, it's, it's fine. But it's all a bit blank. It's all a bit soulless. Well, see, we say soulless. I, the soul doesn't really bother me that much, to be honest with you, because I don't go to Milton Keynes expecting it to be this kind of beautiful cultural metropolis. Now, if you go to Milton Keynes expecting it to be Milan, then you're going to be disappointed. If you go expecting it to be Milton Keynes, then it'll be fine. So my block, you know, like all 20th century, 21st century architecture is it's all glass and straight angles, you know, and wooden bits to fool us that we're in a rainforest or something. I don't know why. There's always some sort of like natural wood. And there's always a weird curvy bit, isn't there? Like on the roof, like an asymmetrical curvy bit. Like they've gone, oh, 
this is all very much sort of an homage to being perpendicular. So I better put a curve in so the building doesn't look like a pen knife. So, so anyway, we've got this kind of blank canvas of a um, of a block, and I really like that. I, see, I'm a big fan of sort of new hospitals. You know, say we like about hospitals. They're quite blank. Well, they're supposed to be if they're good. Blank and clean and and lovely. And I really like a quite a minimalistic environment. Um, thanks to my partner, I don't live in a minimalistic um, environment. My partner is creative, but creative in a in a fun like let's put everything everywhere, all over the place. And and it's lovely. You know, she she does sewing and and all the rest of it. And she makes lots of. She's very arty, and it's lovely. But if I lived on my own, I would just live in in sort of a a larger version of a box. To be honest with you, just a box with a door, some heating. Although I probably just end up with like a space heater or an electric blanket or something like an old lady. But I would, I'd be fine with it. I I don't really need to have stuff everywhere. And and if anything, the main problem I have is that I get super super distracted. Um, by any sort of stimuli, like as it is, I'm in my office now, and there's there's too much going on. There's 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 stuff, and 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 I'm looking around, and I'm going, what's that over there? So very easily distracted, and so I avoid displays like the plague because during a lesson, if there's loads of display going on on the walls, then I'll just stare at that, and I'll forget what I'm teaching, and I forget what I'm teaching at the best of times. So anyway. I've just kind of been carrying on, you know, living my life. Um, but now we've got to festoon the block. We've got to make the block look beautiful. And I believe the term that was used was inspiring. Now, look, three people who are here. Hello, everyone is here. I recognize Lucy in particular, always here. Longtime fan of the show. Thank you, Lucy. Nice to see you, everybody. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about displays. I don't know if you're pro-display, anti-display. Lucy, I know that you saw I tweeted earlier about wanting displays to go very firmly and very really into Classroom 101. Classroom 101? Staff Room 101. Um, I don't know if you guys are pro anti and less useful. Yeah, well, funnily enough, my response to um, to being told that we need to do displays was... Right. Well, let's see what uh, let's see what the research has to say. And research is a bit of a dangerous and dirty word in education because there seems to be research to report absolutely everything. Carolina's here. Nice to see Carolina. Good evening, Carolina. I'm just whinging about displays, Carolina, rather than actually doing the display that I'm the, the, the show that I'm supposed to be doing. This is, by the way, um, this is a fill-in show. It's my last cover show for Noreen, so I'm just doing an hour. Which, to be honest with you. Is, is enough is enough for everybody to be honest so, so you're all getting out early i found some useful in the past uh not one up as a, for a few years has not found the need that is uh tscw in the chat thank you for so much yeah this is kind of where i am like if i had something really really useful to put on the wall that i thought i could use sort of on a weekly basis or even on a termly basis then it would be fine i almost like the idea of having displays that could keep changing you know but but i do find they 
they they are a distracting thing and and i hate the idea of just displays for displays sake and the amount of time and my displays always look rubbish because i get bored and i just want to rush it and then i end up with just some some nonsense on the board um, i would be more than happy to pay some sort of display nerd you know who you are by the way members of staff that love putting up displays who love those stupid wavy borders you know the ones who love colored card you know the ones that own and you know who you are the ones that own their own laminator who buys a laminator what kind of evil person buys their own personal laminator. I'm naturally born wonky, can't do a, display, a straight display to save my life. See, Lucy, I've never met you, but I am building up such a wonderful picture of this goth that just keeps um, wandering into things. Well, you got a guillotine. What is wrong with you people with all this unnecessary office equipment? You're not staples. What is going on? Right, okay, so apparently it's Two of those, what are you doing with them? Right, TSCW, whoever you are, you are clearly, you seem very nice, but I think you might be a lunatic, all right? Now, come at me on Twitter. I'm, I'm fair game. I talk nonsense all the time. One at home, one at school. What? So, okay, you've got to explain yourself. I mean, look, I was going to talk about love and relationships in education, but I mean, I'm just prepared to have a go at people that own two guillotines. Um, from a colleague who left and now my life is over and I need to use scissors. Yeah, and we've also got entering the live studio, we've got somebody called Shulivne. So welcome to a random string of letters. Excellent. So look, I hate displays. The issue is partly mine because I'm lazy from when I had a classroom and used them. Yeah, fair, fair, fair. Look, I mean, I'm just suspicious. Look, I'm having a bit of a go, but I, it is all in good faith because I am just very, very suspicious and perhaps slightly in awe of anybody who is kind of naturally inclined to be organized or anybody that is able to like cut things in a strain, like, straight line. Like I'm like Lucy, I'm born wonky. Like, my earliest memories, some of my earliest memories are my dad trying to teach me to play football and the ball just bananaing off in every which way. Now he'd go, right, hit that tree and I'd end up in someone's picnic. So it's partly just my own my own anger at myself for being such a physically inaccurate being. Anyway. So that's what's distracted me, and I think we can uh, we can see that that has very much distracted me. Oh, Carolina, um, I've done one per school I've worked in, very minimalist, aesthetically pleasing and somehow useful, but that's it. I hate making them and those tacky, wavy border borders. Carolina, you have me at minimalistic. Beautiful. And yeah, the wavy borders, they just, do you know what they are? They're the comic sans of classroom decoration, aren't they? They're, they're, they're like comic sans. They're just a shortcut to looking rubbish. Um, I really hope um, that no one's going to start defending comic sans. But anyway, um, I have to mitre board. Lucy, what is that? What are you talking about? I have to mitre. Is that, is that another bit? Don't tell me there's another bit of equipment called a mitre that I'm not even aware of. What's a mitre? See, this this point... I'd love Lucy to call in, but I know she won't. I know she won't because she doesn't want to. But there we go. Um, I would just love, Lucy, I would love someday to just have an actual chat with you. I think it would be hilarious. Um, by the way, look, I've got no guests planned. So if anybody does want to call in and talk about 
I'm not going to talk about displays for much longer because I feel like I'm just being circular. But if anyone does want to call in um, when I talk about the main topic, um, I would love to get people's opinions on the main topic of the show, which I'm going to introduce in a moment. Uh, once I read this, fold them into a weird angle like the edge of an envelope. Bloody hell. Right. Okay. Right. You've lost me now. Right. No more. Okay. So that's displays. So I've been distracted by displays, which I think we can all agree is a boring topic. And I've done 12 minutes on it now. So, but what I was going to talk about, what I am going to talk about is um, love and relationships. And I've been on a bit of a funny journey uh, with this. Whenever I plan for the show, I get a general theme in mind quite quickly. And I will start to read around it. Um, and I will put some stuff out on Twitter and, and I'll just see where it goes. And usually by the time the show rolls around, I've read a decent amount and had a bit of a think and gone through my notes and I've outlined the show. And I feel pretty secure in terms of where the show's going to go. Up until the last minute today, I was moving things around and I don't even feel like I've got a proper outline. I've got things I want to talk about, but today is all about asking questions, really, not so much about knowing what the answers are. Part of this, it's it's all, well, to be honest with you, it's all um, Kay Sidebottom's fault. If you listen to last week's show, um, I talked about uh, post-humanism and post-human education with uh, Dr. Kay Sidebottom, who was very lovely and very intelligent and made me think a lot. I had a, it was my favourite show so far. Sorry, Hugh Ogilvy. Um, I absolutely loved talking to Kate and I learned loads about post-humanism. And if you didn't hear it, um, it's on the Podbean app. Um, please do listen back. Um, not for me, but for Kay, because um, her ideas are really interesting and I learned so much. But she made me think about love um, because the way we ended the show is we we were talking about, you know, well, what is a post-human approach to education? And we kind of summed it up in the end as being a a real and renewed focus on love. And so I started to think about um, love in terms of education. And I asked Twitter, is teaching an act of love? And I'm going to get to those tweets and talk about those tweets. But here's the journey I went on. First of all, I think it was um, Jonathan Mount Stevens on um, Twitter. He quoted um, Hannah Arendt. Um, from 1954, um, from her book, um, The Crisis of Education, I believe it's called. And I just want to share this this quotation with you, because this has set off quite a lot of inquiry um, for me. And this is going to be the launch pad for today's show. So Hannah Arendt said, education is the point at which we decide whether we love the world enough to assume responsibility for it and by the same token, save it from that ruin, which, except for renewal, except for the coming of the new and young, would be inevitable. So there's a lot there already, and I'll, I'll go through it in a moment. And education, too, is where we decide whether we love our children enough not to expel them from our world and leave them to our own, their own devices, nor to strike from their hands their chance of undertaking something new something unforeseen by us, but to prepare them in advance for the task of renewing a common world. 
Now, this really got me thinking. And now, this is from 1954, and um, Hannah Arendt, sorry, Hannah Arendt uh, very associated with the Holocaust, uh, with the idea of the banality of evil, um, present at um, Adolf Eichmann's trial, for example, and was was really surprised by the fact that he was just an ordinary bloke. And, and hugely um, influential on um, post-war thought. Um, but I was less familiar on her ideas to do with education. And the first thing that strikes me is how broad it is and how different it is from how we talk about education in our schools, I think, and how we talk about it on Twitter. When we talk about education, our scope tends to be quite narrow. Um, we talk about what we did. We talk about the latest research. We talk about what's on our minds right now. But Hannah Arendt is making it about the world itself. Education is the point at which we decide whether we love the world enough to assume responsibility for it. That's mad. Um, I don't mean mad as in I disagree with it. I just mean, I'll phrase it slightly better. That's so big. So education, we decide to educate educate because we love the world enough to take responsibility for it. And that means that we stop it from being ruined. And the world will be ruined unless we safeguard its future by educating the next generation well. Because it's all about handing off the world um, to be in safe hands of the next generation. Which makes sense. I suppose it's the phrasing that really gets me. It's we decide whether we love the world enough. To imply that many don't, many don't even think about the love of the world. Because there is here a real sense of of togetherness. There's a real sense of we are all being responsible for each other. It's it's all a bit JB Priestley, you know, we are members of one body, we are responsible for another, we do not live alone. Um and writing not long after the fall of Nazi Germany, you can understand why um Arendt would um find the ruin of the world to be an inevitable thing unless there is the hope for the future. But it quickly flips whether we love our children enough not to expel them from our world and leave them to their own devices. So education then is about closeness. It's about bringing children to us, according to Hannah Arendt, and holding them close. It's almost an act of intimacy. And the word love is used twice. Whether we love the world, and whether we love our children enough dictates whether we'll educate them and how we will educate them. But I thought that's a lot to ask of an individual teacher. That's a lot to ask of, of an educational workforce. So if that's what education is supposed to be, how do we get there and why would we want to get there in the first place? Um, and so I kept, um, I kept reading and I almost exclusively ended up reading um, reading women in the end, actually. What, what that means, I don't know. I just noticed that it is the case. Um, and so I ended up with Bell Hooks, um, 
because I kept looking for ideas relating to education and ideas relating to love. And um, Bell Hooks um, has written a great deal about both of these things um, and inspired by uh, the pedagogy of the oppressed and this idea of um, this generative um, education and education as a political act and an act of love. And I come back to a text that I talked about um, last week, which is... Um, Bell Hooks, um, Love as the Practice of Freedom, and she talks about an ethic of love. And there's a few things that stood out here um, that I think we can apply to education that we can use to build on um, Arendt's ideas. She writes, a love ethic emphasizes the importance of service to others. Within the value system of the United States, any task or job that is related to service is devalued, but service strengthens our capacity to know compassion and deepens our insight. To serve another, I cannot see them as an object. I must see their subjecthood. So if we think about um, teaching, teaching is a service. We, we provide a service to parents, but we, we serve those, those children. You know, if you think about what we do, now I'm not thinking about being a servant. I'm not thinking about being indentured. I'm not thinking about um, them controlling us or anything like that. But the act of service, the act of doing something that benefits another, not ourselves, that's an act of service, doing something to help somebody else or to enable somebody else or to bring about benefits for them. That's service. And that's what she's talking about. Now, so teaching is an act of service. And that is, according to Bell Hooks, the beginning of the love ethic. This is how we learn to love. And I think we can all agree that in various ways, love is important, although I know this is a very um, thorny issue um, because love means it wildly different things, as son of a teacher man said on Twitter to different people. So, but what gets me is the way that um, Hooks frames um, herself as teacher um, in terms of um, her students or more broadly, those she serves. But I think the analogy of um, serving another is definitely true of teaching. I think it is a service, so an act of service. So she said, to serve another, I cannot see them as an object. So we cannot hold them at a distance. I must see their subjecthood. I must bring them close to me and see them in all of their subjectivity and all of their uniqueness and all their individuality. It seems to me that here, this ethic of love is also an ethic, not only of service to others, but an ethic of intimacy. And so when we provide service to others, that strengthens, according to Hooks, our capacity to know compassion. But the upshot of that is it deepens our insight. We understand ourselves, others, the world, and our communities and everything better through understanding others because through understanding others we come to understand wider things because people are representatives of the earth so and she goes on to say that everyone desires to some extent to be loving yet many are in fact not loving and also not loved and she says she concludes therefore that the desire to love is not itself love Love is an act of will. It's an intention and an action. Will implies choice. We do not have to love. We choose to love. And 
if we're going to think about the idea of um, teaching as an act of love, perhaps, then what we could perhaps think about there is that we get to choose what kind of classroom environment we create. We get to choose what kind of teacher we are. We get to choose whether we are serving others or whether we are just giving them facts or giving them information. We get to choose whether we hold them at a distance or whether we bring them close. We get to choose subjectivity, objectivity. Now, I don't know what you guys think, and I'd love to see some ideas in the chat, but I don't feel like this really jives very well with what we do today. I feel like we're encouraged to be, not cold, but we're encouraged to maintain quite a lot of distance from our students. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing at all. I'm just thinking in public. But it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong here, listeners, people in the chat, but it seems to me that we aren't encouraged to to love our students. We're not encouraged to bring them close. We're not really encouraged to see them as subject. We're more encouraged to see them as objects, as a little bit distanced. And we're supposed to think of them in terms of things like cognitive load theory. We're supposed to think about their schemas. We're supposed to be thinking about their long-term memory. We're supposed to thinking about their retrieval practice. But all of these things seem to objectify the human. Things like cognitive load theory present the human brain as like a computer. You almost like we've got this mind-body dualism. And this flies in the face of post-humanism, which is very much all about embodied cognition. So I don't know what people think. And it's all a very open, sort of floaty um, idea. I think there's feelings cross boundaries and perpetual misinterpretations. Feelings are way too complex for clarity at times. I think you're absolutely right, Carolina. I mean, there's the fear, isn't there? The fear of being accused of something, the fear of um, being called unprofessional, um, the fear of getting it wrong. Um, I think... I think that fear is 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 certainly there, absolutely. Um, and thank you for that. What um, what hooks seems to be encouraging us away from though is um, is fear because she says later on she says when you open to the pain of the world you move you act. But she says that weapon is not enough; it can burn you out. So you need the other. You need insight into the radical interdependence of all phenomena. With that wisdom, you know that it is not a battle between good guys and bad guys, but that the line between good and evil runs through the landscape of every human heart. What she's um, what she seems to be doing here, she's making me a bit uncomfortable, to be honest. Because there's a real sense of intimacy. She's talking about the line between good and evil runs through the landscape to every human heart. Um, Lucy says, less distance in primary may be a mix of children being younger in the same 30 all day, every day for a year. So I suppose there will be more intimacy in that classroom. There will be more sense of a like communal sharing relationships. I would agree with Lucy. Some secondary may only see the students once or twice a week or fortnight. So building relationships is harder. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're um, not a, um, a core subject. And I do sometimes take for granted the fact that I teach English and therefore um, I do get to see most of my students at least four times a week. So you, you can build up relationships quicker. No, absolutely. That does that does make sense. Um, and you can end up feeling quite distant. And to be honest with you, the other thing is as well, is that the onus seems to be um, very much on learning as about 
imparting information and you know sticking to the script um you know i've seen a number of schools now that the lessons are very much everyone teaches exactly the same um you know things like scripted lessons for example seem to me to be quite far away um from this idea this this ethic of love so there's been lots and lots of chew to chew on and this is a bit different um this show in the sense that this is very much um me meditating and thinking out loud than it is me coming to conclusions but there's lots more i want to talk about um, we're going to go to a break in a moment but before we do tscw uh, the themes you teach can help with the development too teaching english and humanities may be easier to develop such relationships over maths perhaps yes well i think because uh, tabitha mcintosh has spoken um on twitter um about the idea of, of english not teaching one empathy um and about how it's this kind of idea that that reading makes you empathetic and i'd be tempted to argue that reading doesn't make you empathetic but i think perhaps it's easier to develop kind of generative conversations in english and humanities because it's all about generating opinion and insight and personal response whereas there's no personal response in maths it's just is or it isn't so i think yeah I think from that perspective, I'm totally with you. Um, you know, when you're talking in English, yeah, my maths group number the best, just the personality. Yes, so it's very multifaceted already. Um, would you guys say that the groups that you feel the closest to, the groups you have the strongest relationships with, do you do your best teaching with them? Or do you actually find that it makes no difference? Do you find sometimes that the groups you have the best relationships with Actually, you don't teach them as well because you're too distracted by the relationships. Um, age frequency and at times the subject might make a huge difference. Yeah, I suppose the next thing I'd be asking is um, in an ideal world, because I'm very much thinking idealistically here. But in an ideal world, how important is love, you know? should we be in an educational paradigm that does what um what bell hook says that creates this ethic of love that sees teaching as an act of service and i'd be really interested to see um whether you guys think that uh teachers an act of service or not or whether we would categorize it or classify it as something else so it's just something to think about during the break um i'm going to go to the uh the news and the ad break now but when we come back um oh carolina I don't think I teach differently to those classes I feel closer to or know more. At least I don't think I'm any more effective than with a class I don't know as well. I might, however, enjoy it more. Hmm. Am I to come to the conclusion there, Carolina, that actually it therefore doesn't really matter, um, you know, whether we um, kind of see teaching as an act of service or not? Anyway, I'll leave you with that. I'm going to, when we come back, I'm going to talk about um, Audrey Lord on um, teaching um, I'm going to talk about um, Zoe Enser's latest blog post, which is a rant. I'm going to talk about um, the purpose of schooling. You know, what's school for? Are we just setting them up to be future employees? What are we doing? What's it all about? What does it all mean? Who am I? Who knows? This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group 
the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.wetherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondlelettersandsounds.org.uk. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common, a passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Prime Minister announced last week that pupils in England no longer needed to wear face coverings in class. And this rule is to be extended to cover school communal areas next week. Boris Johnson is now urging all teachers to follow the rules, after some resistance. A spokesman for the Prime Minister said, Children have been one of the hardest hit as a result of the disruption throughout the pandemic. And Mr Johnson believes it is vital that children are receiving face-to-face -face education and can enjoy a normal experience in the classroom. We've been clear that we removed the requirements for face masks to be worn in classrooms and we will remove advice for face masks to be worn in communal areas from January the 27th. The Prime Minister thinks schools should follow the latest guidelines. Pupils who attend John Fletcher of Maidley Primary School in Telford 
have taken part in activities which are aimed at helping pupils understand about saving energy and reducing their carbon footprint. The activities were coordinated by Telford and Recon Council and March's Energy Agency. Councillor Richard Overton said, Improving energy efficiency is extremely important for households across the borough and can help to lower utility bills, create jobs and stabilise gas and electricity prices. Parent Mrs Pemberton said, We immediately noticed the impact of this session. Conversations at home as a consequence of this presentation have suggested we turn the heating down and wear jumpers and asking whether we really need the lights on and switching these off. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, Boards, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your class's whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Okay, I am returned. So, um, just for the break, um, I asked people to talk about whether they thought teaching was an act of service, um, because then we can start thinking about uh, Bell Hooks' ideas of, uh, you know, this ethic of love. Um, and I really like, first of all, what TSCW um they of the uh, two guillotines and two laminators say um, <clears throat> if it wasn't an act of service, there may be less teachers, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I think there may be fewer teachers. Um, 
there's certainly it's certainly sold as a vocation now i wonder if now if i just think cynically i wonder if teaching is sold as a vocation almost as a way of priming teachers to accept um, a lot of things about education or, or being a teacher that are less than palatable uh, because you know we're all on edge of twitter i imagine we all we all see don't we um we all see the consequences of um you know of a lot of teaching initiatives um we see um the problems that um that other teachers face uh, day in and day out i'm just going to check my audio levels just one second i think we're working we are working excellent so I just uh, thought for a second my audio wasn't working, but it is now. So we, I, I, I just get a bit cynical sometimes because it's it's never really framed as a job. It's always framed as something where we're supposed to go above and beyond, and going above and beyond is supposed to be normal. Um, Lucy says I completely agree with active service. Main reason I became a teacher was to benefit others as well as earning a living and enjoying my job. And I think, yeah, that's true for me as well. Um, I mean, one of the other reasons I became a teacher is I ran out of options and I have an English degree um, and I tried working in an office and I thought it was awful. I hated it. So there is this idea. I think I think it attracts the sort of person. Uh, it, it does seem, seem to attract a lot of people who are compassionate. It does seem to attract a lot of people um, who want to help others. It does seem to attract quite a lot of ideological people. Not always, though. I think one, but seeing Edge Twitter has definitely shown me that that it attracts all kinds. Um, and I imagine it also attracts people, um, you know, of less savoury dispositions. Um, and the the long string of uh, letters says, um, to some extent, I think the quality of a lesson almost but not totally relies on the bond one has with their students. There needs to be trust and respect in the classroom, which is built over time. And I think that's really interesting. And it's built over time. And as uh, Carolina um, has said, and I think uh, TSCW uh, has said that it's that's harder in, in secondary, especially in some settings um, where it will take a longer period of time to, to build that. Um but if that's a part of um, what makes a quality teacher and what makes quality teaching, um, and if the current paradigm makes that difficult, then that might be something we need to address. Um, this went a bit further. Um, I looked at Audrey Lord. Um, and I think Lord's writing is, is fascinating. And Lord really thinks about creativity. Uh, and she wrote, uh, there's, there's a really short uh, piece um, which she writes about her experiences as a teacher. And it's called uh, Poet as Teacher, Human as Poet, Teacher as Human. And she says that there, these things, uh, poet, human and teacher, they're all the same thing. And she says that when she, and I think this has really opened my eyes, actually. She said she's been asked as a teacher, you know, what is your absolute basic? You know, what is kind of ground zero? What is what is teaching 101? Um and she said it's the first thing she does is consider perception. Now, she's writing as um, as a black woman, um, teaching a lot of black students, um, often in areas um, where they'd be surrounded by lots of awful things. And so she said that the perception was particularly important because you had to think about what had been going on in the local area, what had happened to those students. Um, and she said, for example, you know, if there had been an act of violence nearby, the way that she would perceive those students and the way that she would act, the way that she would teach and 
the whole lesson, the whole delivery, her whole demeanor, how she would teach it would completely change comparing if it was just a beautiful sunny day. Uh, but and, and obviously we're working in a very different paradigm to Audrey Lord. But I think it's really interesting that she says the first thing she does is consider perception. She says that perception is the key to being a successful human, a successful poet and a successful teacher. And she says, first of all, you have to perceive the human beings that are there. Now, this really reminds me of what I just spoke about with um, from Bell Hooks in terms of the ethic of love, that choice to connect with another human being. Um, I've just seen um, a comment here from another random string of letters. Relationships are the most important thing for me. If you don't have a good rapport with your students, then that's when you seem to find your lessons become tough. Although most students will always try their best for you regardless. I think it's a really fair point. Um, Personally, personally, I've always found relationships really important. Um, I've I've always really kind of thrived on on good relationships. Um, but but what's interesting is is if you if you are um, a teacher who who feels they build relationships well, that can sometimes be looked down upon a little bit. I was once called. Um, I w- I once had a group of uh, ECTs come around uh, um, to see me, and uh, well, well, they were to take around a tour, and they, they were taken into my lesson. And uh, and afterwards, someone said to me, uh, "Do you know why they're in your lesson?" And I said, "No, why were they in my lesson?" And they said, "Because you're a personality teacher." And I said, what does that mean? And they said, oh, it's somebody who doesn't really rely. It's somebody who doesn't really kind of follow um, the kind of the, the the rules, not the rules. I'm not, not didn't mean in a rebellious way, but as in somebody who kind of doesn't need to, doesn't really use the school's behavior policy, just kind of does things their own way. And they kind of teach through force of personality. And it kind of, the way it was framed was it was like, oh, you just kind of rely on your personality and the relationships you've got. It was almost as a way to kind of belittle what I did is almost just kind of going, well, it's just your personality, you know. It was almost saying, it's not really any skill, it's just the way you are. Um, you know, you've just got good relationships, almost as if that wasn't as important. Um, and that kind of ran, rankled with me a bit because I think for me, I thought there was a lot of craft. The phrase cogs in the machine comes to mind. Yes, I think so. Um, and this is the thing about poet, human teacher for Audrey Lord is that she would argue we, we need to perceive. First of all, we need to think about who have I got in front of me? What do they need? And to stop and to notice. And that can be really difficult when we're trying to plow through the scheme of work that diminishes an important skill. What do you mean, Lucy? Um, people have to be in their comfort zone to some extent in order to be guided out of it to thrive. So relationships are important. Uh, not being able. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I, I think so, actually. That if there's this sense of trust, and trust can only come, really, if there's a relationship. There has to be some sort of relationship, doesn't there? Um, so Audrey Law goes on to say, writing is an act of teaching, whether the writer is aware of it or not. Oh, I see, I see. So Lucy says, being able to form relationships, not everyone can. No? That's interesting. Do you know, I've not thought of that before. I just, well, I think I would certainly agree, thinking about this, I would certainly agree, Lucy, that um, some people find it very difficult. When you say not everyone can, do you mean that there are some people who just simply aren't capable or that some people find it more difficult? Because I'd be more tempted. And, and I, again, look, it's, 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 a, it's, it's an opinion. It's, it's a perspective. 
is there anyone who just can't do it? I think trauma plays it plays a huge part of it. But then I would also argue if you've got a student who, for example, is traumatized, and I'm still reading uh, the body keeps the score about trauma. It's really interesting. I've got a student that's traumatized. Surely getting them to develop relationships and trying to bring them out of their shells more important um chris val says uh, indeed uh, emotional intelligence is a critical skill in education personalities are often built on this skill yeah so it all ties in doesn't it it's i completely agree with you though it's really some people find it so hard to form relationships and and actually you could be somebody who often who finds it quite easy to form relationships you will still come across students who really struggle with that and i think we must i i'm wonder if this is more of a universal thing I'd like to think we all have students um, with whom we've just really struggled to, to build a relationship um, that we've really struggled to to work with. A mix of find it harder or choose and fail. Not saying uh, all calm, but clumsy and not effective. Yeah, I think that's really fair. Some people struggle, especially with children, especially when they have a fixed idea of student v teacher and taking from above point emotional intelligence isn't always brought into this mix. Yeah, but I think I think you're right. And I think what but this is what Audrey Lord and, and Bell Hooks are saying is that while we while we hover above objectively we're not going to be perceptive and we're not going to be able to and so they're both arguing how we get there is another thing altogether i'm 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 getting to be very theoretical here um this is all about thinking um but i think we can broadly agree with this idea that uh, that we need this this kind of ethic of love we need this service we need and therefore we need to have this this perception and this subjectivity in the classroom um as teachers because if we don't model it and if we don't really really try to to see the students subjectively then then they're never going to be able to do it either and i'm just going to go on a little bit further um Co-communicating is teaching, touching, really touching another human being is teaching, living is teaching. Here we've almost got this 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 sort of thrill or, or free song that we get from closeness. Finding the balance between relationship authority in the classroom can be diff difficult. Some may choose the latter because it's safe. Again, I think it's a really, whoever you are, string of letters, um, I think you're making some very, very good points. Um, Right. Yeah, I think this finding the balance is so, so tricky. Um, so, 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 so tricky. Um, and I think you're right. I think, you know, when you've got kind of behavior policies and you've got, you know, zero tolerance behavior policies or, or you know, you've got a system to follow, people like that safety. Oh, here he comes. Val's teaching and learning is a shared pilgrimage towards wisdom. Right. So generative. This idea of it being shared. But in terms of that pilgrimage, if we're going to go that, and this, we're, we're in kind of full ideological here, aren't we? But um, the teacher's got to lead, right? If we're going on pilgrimage, if that's the if that's the analogy we're going to draw, and we know I love analogies, then the teacher's got to lead that, right? The teacher's got to be the head of that that pilgrimage procession, leading, right? Um, and and this ties in, like this is why the job's so hard because Audrey Lord says you've got to bring the whole self. She writes. If I do not bring all of who I am to whatever I do, then I bring nothing, nothing of lasting worth, for I've withheld my essence. Now, but this seems to fly in the face of like what we're supposed to be. We're supposed to hold our essence back, aren't we? Isn't that the whole point of modern teaching? We're supposed to hold our essence back. We're supposed to be presenting this. Uh, agree with what uh, Audrey Lord says, Carolina. I'm not sure I do either. 
I'm not sure. Yeah, well, this is the thing. I'm not sure either. This is the thing. But 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 this is why I'm sharing it because it's it's a new perspective for me. Because I, as I say, I, I would argue that uh, modern teachers are discouraged from revealing your essence, revealing yourself. You know, why would I have to share everything about me with people's it's a professional relationship for me? Yeah. I suppose it depends if we interpret what Audrey Lord is saying as sharing information about you or sharing who you really are. That, as in, as in, it means sharing your feelings. But I completely agree with you in terms of there's stuff I would never sell tell uh, students, but there's also stuff I'd never tell necessarily my best friends, if that makes sense. Course, needs to teach love because where else do they learn it from? A lot of their learning comes from online today. Um, a lot live solitary lives and interpersonal skills, especially over the last two years. Um, the times they create for themselves through internet cookies don't always lead to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think it does. And Lucy follows that up with core values, maybe. Yeah, I feel like, see, I still feel like I'm scratching the surface, but what's been really lovely, and I, th I really appreciate the stuff in the chat, I think it's fantastic, because it's really, this is really helping me have a kind of a conversation partner, absolute yes to values. Um, these often, though, are framed, uh, at least in my school, they're framed as British values, and I think sometimes that then limits the scope a bit as well. All these conversations are sometimes where the magic happens. You know, I, I agree, I really agree, whoever you are, being very wise, yeah. I really agree, actually. Now, I will hold back information, but I think it's maybe about have it, showing a student real emotion is really key, I think. I find that some of the best responses I've got from students are when I've been emotionally honest, if that makes sense. So rather than it being a performance, a performative self in the classroom, I've kind of dropped that and I've just been a human being. Right, yeah. And I think that... That is, and how to deal with emotions, I think is really key as well, because if they can see you managing your emotions, but also like if you take a student who has grown up, you know, around complete emotional, um, uh, emotional impotence, you know, grown up being shown, you know, no love or very little love, you know, a student who associates adults with, with, with fear, you know, and then you drop that and you, and you show them what love looks like. You show them what what emotion looks like you show that kid who's surly that it's okay to get upset about something you know you look that kid in the eye and go and, and you know and you say and you say i don't know how it feels you know that's that's compassion and, and that's maybe that that you can get about that's yourself isn't it yourself is not your your life story yourself is your emotional responses right loads of stuff coming it's not about sharing life story it's about connecting on an emotional compassionate level right okay i think we're getting somewhere i feel there is a limit to sharing your identity but if you share some past experiences that really helps students to make the right and wrong surely they understand that you are human too that's really interesting yeah i think it's about that professional judgment isn't it i will sometimes semi-fictionalize or i will be a bit more general when i say okay i i've been you know it, it depends um what lucy says i've been asked if i'd ever been angry shows how they thought of their anger they want to know it's okay they want to know when they feel something they want to know if that's natural you know um i will never ever ever forget one of my strongest memories comes from a student i taught two years ago in year 11 and she was surly difficult i was her form tutor and i was her english teacher and she was difficult a difficult student and i got all right with her as a form tutor but i also taught her in english and she just as soon as it came to doing any sort of marked work she would clam up not write anything get into a mood get into a stress and try to get herself sent out 
And this went on and on and on and on. But anyway, we had a chat after one lesson because she just hadn't done any work. And she went, right, go on then, shout at me, go on. And I, I don't want to shout at you. I'm not shouting at you. And I, I never shouted at this kid, to be fair, but I think she just she wanted me. She was going, go on, right, go on, then put me in detention, whatever it's going to be. Come on, let's have it. And I said, I'm not. I said, I said, I just, I want to know how you are. I said, what's, what's wrong? You know, what's wrong? You just look like you're in pain. I don't remember saying this to her. And then she said, oh, it's nothing. And she was like, pouncing up and down, up and down, up and down, banging on the walls, like just, just kind of just going, oh my God, I just can't, I just can't, I just can't. And then she stopped and she looked at me and she said, sir, can I cry? And I said, yeah, if that's what you, how you feel. Yeah. She just cried for half an hour. And it's like, and I don't think she'd cried. What she said to me, she said, I've never cried in front of a teacher before. She said, I haven't even cried in front of an adult before. I said, what about your mum? And she goes, she told me some things. Um, I'll be careful, but she told, but her mum was very ill. And um, and there were lots and lots of things happening that were putting pressure on her. Um, you know, she loved her family very dearly. There were just lots and lots of things that weren't going well for the family. And she was taking all that on herself and on herself and on herself and not. And she, whenever she was worried about something, she wouldn't tell her mum because she didn't want to be a burden. And so she bottled it up for years and years and years and years and years. Um, yeah, right. It's like she was asking for permission to be human. Uh, that's really well put but if we don't bring the whole self like because this is the thing right with teaching you know yeah we're teachers of our subjects but i really get the impression especially from the people here that that is not why we stay in it it's not for the money <laughs> you know it's and it's not and i think it partly is for the subject and stuff but i really think that that it's these moments um I'm going to run out of time, but and annoyingly, I was going to talk about uh, Zoe Ence's uh, blog post, and I'm going to talk about that next week, and I'm going to do a part two um, for next week. Um, I'm going to talk about then, right, so what is teaching for beyond the subject? You know, what work are we doing here? Because, yeah, that's really staying with me there. It's almost like she was asking for permission to be human. I think I'm not saying we should all start crying in front of children. But I think uh, real emotion goes um, goes a long way. Um, remembering those uh, those who are objective. Now, in fact, I'm going to really briefly mention Zoe Answer. If you haven't checked out Zoe Answer's uh, latest blog, um, it's really worth reading. I, this is a shorter show today, so I'm going to be going in a moment. But just just before we go, um, I will be talking about this a lot next week. But she talks about in in a self described rant. Um, she talks about the purpose of schools and she decries um, all those times in newspapers where schools are accused of not teaching children proper skills like paying taxes, like like you have to pay your own taxes or getting a mortgage or whatever it is. And they're not equipped for the world of work. And this really rankles with me because I feel like what we're talking about now. And this might be me just being really, you know, optimistic and, and it might be me just being really idealistic and maybe I'm silly. But I feel like teaching about love and communal sharing relationships and growth and nurture, I think, is vitally important, especially given the amount of our students who have suffered either small or medium or great trauma. And it's a lot of them. I think that's worth talking about. 
But what I think is really, really unhelpful is constantly framing school as a way to churn out future employees and framing students as future employees who need to just learn some grit and some resilience. You know, Zoe quite rightly uh, points out that this kind of narrative is rather pernicious. You know, when we talk about, you know, um, those kind of th those character skills, it's all about, oh, you've got to have grit. You've got to have resilience. You've got to push forward. I just wonder how much of that will lead to more repression and more denial. I don't know. I really enjoyed this show and I really think it's been made today. I'll see students as data. Goodness me, that's a whole other show, isn't it? I, I really would like to thank everybody in the chat because I think it's really helped uh, make this show because I came to this show today feeling quite uncertain, actually, and feeling quite insecure about what I was going to talk about for an hour, just really feeling like I, I wasn't sure. Um, but I really, but I love having this chat. It's like a little Twitter in miniature. So thank you all so much uh, for your contributions. Um, so you say, see, me, see you tomorrow. Who are you? <laughs> I am... Um, Oh my God, I know who that is. I know who that is. Okay, yes, I will see you tomorrow. I realize now it's one of my colleagues. There we go. Well, okay, guys, um, I'm going to sign off now. Uh, it's been a pleasure. So next week, um, I'm going to talk more about the purpose of education, the purpose of teaching, and what the hell we're doing in those little blank, or in my case, over-decorated boxes we call a classroom. Take care of yourselves and have a lovely evening. Thank you all so much. Goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.